And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trot. Goal. Hello and welcome to another celebratory edition of the Glover's Past from the Glover's Cast. And we are looking back on the 10-year anniversary of that incredible 2012-13 promotion winning season. And today I am joined by one of the defensive giants, a stalwart, a rock at the back from that season. Our guest today played over 50 times across all competitions in that season, scored five goals and of course helped us lift that League One playoff trophy final at Wembley. I'm delighted to welcome Byron Webster to the Glover's cast. Byron, how are you, sir? Very good, yourself? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you so much for taking time out to to chat to me. And also a big shout out to your media man at Bromley, Josh, for helping make this happen as well. Um, Let's get stuck into this then. Um, I'm going to start by asking you the same question I've asked loads of people. Can you believe it's been 10 years since that season happened? No, it's crazy, isn't it? It's, um, it's flown by a lot of changed in football, not just at Yeovil, but everyone else's career of where they've gone, what's happened. Um, you know, I still feel young. It's not until I look at my children now when the, my daughter's becoming a teenager, my little boy now is nearly 10. So, so yeah, that, that's where you, you realise you're getting older. If I take you back to the start of that season, if I'm right in thinking you were still under contract at Northampton, but a deal was arranged for you to leave there and come to Yeovil and work with Gary Johnson, who you'd had for a short time at Northampton. How how did that all kind of come about? How did he sell Yeovil Town to you? Yeah, that's correct. I was at Northampton. I still had another year in my contract. Um, but sorry, let's see. Um, but he was. Um, I, I had a bit of a disagreement with the manager at the time there, so I I, I knew I had to leave. Um, my agent at the time spoke to Gary. They wanted to do a deal, and I think I think the deal was more or less done on my wedding day. It's the year I got married as well. So um, wow, I was literally at my wedding. I think the next day I got told, or maybe the day before, um, that a deal had more or less been agreed with over. Wow, that's incredible. I, uh, looking at it, it was actually announced on the same day as we announced Marek Steck as well. It was it seemed to me that Gary was putting a lot of effort into just mould a brand new side after joining midway through and, and and you were a key part of that? No, yeah, definitely. I still call him the gaffer now. I'm still, still in contact with him. But yeah, the gaffer, he's not a silly man. He, obviously, you see success he's had. Yeovil, Bristol, Torquay to when they got them into the conference. You know, he's had a lot of success. Um, so yeah, he, know, he knows what to do. He knows how to get a team and a club um, going in the right direction. When, when you were sort of in the early parts of that pre-season, was promotion being talked about or were you just talking about being competitive and seeing where that group could could take you? Were you thinking that you could make the playoffs? If I'm honest, I think we were favourites to go down. Yeah. Uh, and then if I remember rightly, did we win the first five games and then we lost five? I think it was something like that. So it was kind of like, we were like... We, Obviously, this is going a bit off track, but before we won the first five and you're thinking, oh, this is decent. This everyone yeah. was down to go down um, when we're doing well. And then we lost the five and it was like, Christ, we might be in a bit of a scrap here. Um, but no, it, looking back now, um, looking at the team, we had a fantastic team and it shows by the career peoples of, people have had. But we were just a good group of lads. We got on so well. Um, Yeovil, obviously... It, it's out on its own there. There's not much to do. So I think that helped us bonding as a team because we, we spent a lot of time together. We, we enjoyed each other's company. We went for coffee, for food, nights out, whatever it was. And, and, and I, I do believe that helped. It also helped as well that we got Paddy and he kept scoring. So, so that, <laughs> that does help quite a lot. Um, I, was gonna, I was looking back through some old clippings and stuff that I've kept from it. Do you remember the team photo where you all had your tops off because we didn't have a sponsor? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, that was the, the gaffer's idea again, just to drum up a bit of um, publicity, really, and to, to get a sponsor as well. But also, I think because, like, Yeovil is on its own in the country. There's not many places around it. And I think it was to get, you know, Yeovil on the map as such. Um, and it did get us quite a, big, a bit of publicity. Um, 
But then obviously at the end of the season, we were happy that the football did the talking and what people weren't really talking about has been topless in the team photo. Which of the lads were having to scramble in a few extra crunches on the morning of the photo shoot? Just to make <laughs> sure. Marek did a few. But um, no, we were all, all, we were all a lot younger there. Um, so our, our bodies weren't too bad, so it was all right. You are right. I was looking back at the fixture list. We start off weirdly with a League Cup game against Colchester before the league starts. It was a very odd situation. But that first few games, I was just looking at the lineup. It was before Dan Byrne joined us, of course, but it was Steck and Goal, Ailing McAllister, yourself and Richard Hines, a, a unit that would just become so uniform throughout that whole season. How was it playing alongside just the same five or six lads week in, week out? I think every footballer will agree that once you get a consistent side and you know who you're playing with, how they play, it does help. Usually teams that along the spine of the team, so you go your keeper, your centre-ass, midfielders and strikers, if they're more or less stayed the same, you know, teams have a lot of success. Um, but yeah, we, whether it was fortunate with the gaffer keeping the same team or if it was due to people playing well and they didn't want to change it and there weren't many injuries that year, yeah, I, yeah that definitely helped us. Am I right in thinking you were around about 25 at the time, give or take? Yeah, we will have been, so, yeah. So you had 34-year-old Jamie McAllister, been there, done that, hundreds of league games to one side of you. Richard Hines, the other side, 32, been there, done that, hundreds of games. You were in such experienced company. I, I know you weren't necessarily a young player and you played lots of football, but how was it having those two been there and done that characters around you? Yeah, they were fantastic. You know, players like them don't get enough recognition, really. Obviously, in that season, Paddy scored all the goals and um, and got all the plaudits, and rightly so, because he was on fire. But uh, Hates was in, James Hate was in that team as well, who I think Paddy would agree helped him a lot. You know, the, the senior players, they do their experience and knowledge of the game, um, when to time waste, when to kill a game off, just things like that, which is so, so simple. But if you're a young, naive player, you don't even know that. But, you know, we had the gaffer, we had Terry, we had Darren off the pitch, you know, who helped us, Terry, bringing his defensive experience to our unit. Um, so, yeah, so it, it was just a good group and a good mix of players and staff that, that brought success to you. I was looking through the, the fixture list and you were absolutely spot on what you say. We, we got out like an absolute, like, a, like right out of the box is quick. But then we go on that run. I think it ends up being six or seven games in a row that whole season was just such a roller coaster because there was a spell later on that we'll get to where actually you go on and win eight games in a row was it important that the experienced head sort of guided everyone through it through the ups and downs uh yeah but looking back i don't i don't even think that was the case the gaff was the gaffer losing his losing his shit off there. <laughs> um, but i think it just brought us all together um and i think because we were young and we had the senior players, and I think the younger players, or counting myself in that, we didn't overthink the situation. We we were favourite to go down, so there was no pressure. I do believe that season, Yeovil, there was no pressure on us. It were, even when we got to the playoffs, we weren't expected to do anything. So we, we went into that season, and yeah, the losing bit, yeah, it was tough, but you're never going to lose every game in a season. So we knew it would change. And the good thing with the gaffer, Terry and Daz, they believed in what they were doing. So a lot of managers will they'll, they'll swap and change everything and try and come up with a new formula. They believed in what we were doing, what the Oval wanted to do as a team, as a club, and they stuck by it and, and fair play to them because it does, especially in football nowadays, you, you know, the clubs are easy to get rid of managers and change everything and, and, and the club stuck with the gaffer and, and we stuck with the gaffer and it, it came to fruition and we had a successful year. We did indeed. Let's let's talk about the introduction of, of Dan Burns, sort of midway through that little early rocky patch. He comes in on loan from Fulham at the time. I mean, we'll probably go on and talk about what he's gone on to achieve in the game. That debut against Preston, he scores an own goal and then get, gets one at the right end. You were on alongside Richard Hines and then suddenly you've got this 19-year-old lad fresh out of a massive club like Fulham. Did you have to change the way you went about things? You were essentially the elder statesman of the centre-back duo at times. Yeah, no, I've never never changed my game for for anyone really, um, other than a manager if he asked me to do something. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I've always been a gobby get. Um, I always like to lead. So, so in that scenario, no. But Dan, a fellow Northerner, a great lad, great great lad, came in, settled in straight away, and it, it wasn't a 
there was no egos at Yeovil, so it wasn't a hard group to come in and settle into. Um, so, so yeah, fitting straight away. And and yet again, I'll go back to it. I think as a young lad, he had no pressure, nothing to prove. It, it, it just come in and enjoy your football. And because yeah. you're working with lads who, who are on the same level as you, just want to play football and enjoy it, um, you know, it, it, it worked out positively. One thing I always remember about seeing you and Dan together was that little routine you used to have when we had a free kick. You used to stand in front of the keeper and drive him absolutely bonkers. How close did you get to getting a walloping off an opposition goalie? The keepers laughed about it, to be fair. They were like, they, they, they found the funny side of it. It was the referees that never got the humour of it. They were always like, you're going to be offside. You're going to, yeah, we know. We're not, we're not stupid. We know. It was just, it was just mind games, literally mind games. And then, uh, yeah, we'd stand there. We'd try and block his view. Listen, it's not going to make any difference, but uh, <laughs> we got into a little ritual and, and we enjoyed the, I suppose, messing about on the pitch and trying to get into the opponent's head. It was it, it was a it was symptomatic of a team that was really enjoying itself. It was just a little nugget, a little eye into that behind the scenes world. You guys were having fun out there, weren't you? Definitely, I go back to definitely. It, even when there were games and you're defending for your life, so, you know we used to always look at each other and have a smile and you, you know we g each other up and and that was part of it. I go back to a defender. If a defender doesn't want to defend, you know he's he's got a bit of a problem. <laughs> I mean he needs to enjoy that. Um, so yeah, we defend and we definitely rode our luck a lot of the time. Um, but we knew with the way Paddy was on fire and hates up there, Sam Foley chipping in with the goals that um, that we definitely get get a couple of goals. So we just needed to do our job at the back and um, and keep it down to clean sheets or maximum one goal. Let's talk about the introduction of Paddy. Then comes down, he's barely kicked a ball for Carlisle. Gaffer says, I've got this new lad in coming over from Ireland. His mate Kev's coming along for the ride as well. Was he the injection of a little extra spark that the team needed? Uh, yeah, I think it was on both sides. I think Paddy needed Yeovil. I think Yeovil needed Paddy at the time. Um, and he came in and, and he's every striker, isn't it? One comes off their arse, goes in, and then the next to go on and score and score and score. Paddy's everything he hit kept going in. Um, and he just proved in the final... Literally, what the hell is he doing trying to kick it with the outside of his foot? That that, that ain't Paddy. Um, but thank God he did because it nestled in the top corner and, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But, but yeah, just sometimes in football, it just clicks. And he, he definitely did that, yeah. It, it, it absolutely did. Um, we'll talk, I'm sure, more about Paddy and his goals. But you chipped in a few from the back. You got a, you got a handful yourself. Do you remember your goals? I remember one against Berry, And I remember a bit of a, a really nice finish against Portsmouth, do you remember your goals that season? Um, I, re I remember the one at Portsmouth for where. Um, I, no, I don't, I don't really remember many goals. Just the uh, to be fair, it was funny. Obviously, I don't know when this is going out, but um, I was watching Man United Newcastle yesterday, and uh, obviously Dan's playing. I'm sat with my little boy, and my wife goes, "Oh, um, that's Daddy's friend. He knows Dan." And then I had to tell the story about when he went to Birmingham. I know it was a year afterwards, and I, and oh, yeah. I scored, I scored that goal. And uh, yeah, my wife was telling Henry, my son, how uh, me and Dan nearly came to blows and and that. But I remember goals like that. But yeah, that season, I, I remember the the Portsmouth one where um, the ball went to the back post and headed it back across, I think, and I slotted it in. But I can't remember many other goals, if I'm honest. I tell you what, I was I was doing a bit of research, knowing knowing we were going to be chatting, and I always always forget the Johnston's paint trophy run. We came genuinely quite close to Wembley. Didn't we? At one point, sort of turn of the year, we were thinking, well, if we beat Leighton Orient, we're one game from Wembley. Do you know? I don't even remember it myself. Um, yeah, so, so I can't even tell you. In fact, no, Orient, I do. We played them at home, did we? No, well, no. We, it was the Southern Southern quarterfinal or semi final, I think, at their place. Paddy couldn't play for some reason. And we conceded like a 97th minute horrible scrappy. It was one of the worst nil nils until the 95th minute or something. And they kind of go through. And I always thought to myself, it's a good job we didn't go through in that JPT because it could have just, if everyone was thinking about Wembley in February, yeah. the idea of Wembley in May might not have happened. Yeah, yeah, I don't really remember the, the painting cup uh, competition. So, but yeah, it's crazy how things like that happen. I've had it with Bromley last season where we were in the playoffs, we get to the FA Trophy and everyone's eyes are on the FA Trophy. It kind of derails things. I don't know if we look at that as an excuse uh, and maybe a reason, but um, 
but yeah, it, yeah, it possibly could have happened for Yeovil, but but he didn't. So so that's good news. Well, looking looking at the fixtures off the back of that exit in the JPT, that's when that ridiculous run of wins really kicks in. Two 0 away at Sheffield United, January mid January ish. For supporters, a lot of supporters go back to that game in at Sheffield United, and that's the day that they always kind of go. I think that's when we started to believe something was happening. Was there a point in that season, maybe during that run, where you kind of thought, actually, hang on here, we're 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 right in this? There will have been, but I'm very rubbish at remembering things. Um, so I can't remember when we thought about it, but I do remember that when the playoffs were decided and we had Sheffield United, and then it was Brentford and Swindon, I think, in in the other game. Yep. I remember thinking, if we play Swindon, we're, we're going to lose. We just lost every time that season against them. And from look, remembering back, not I can remember much, but they, they battered us. It was a, it was always a tough game against us. I, and Sheffield United, I just always thought we'd beat them. And Brentford that year, we beat them twice as well in the league. So yep. I, I do believe in little things like that. And if I was to plan it out, it would have been Sheffield United because the pressure was all on them again. Even when we, we lost, didn't we, at Bramall Lane in the, in the first leg and then obviously won the second one. Ed scored. I can't remember who got the other one. But, um, but yeah, it, it was just written. I knew if we beat Sheffield United, then I knew in the final we'd beat Brentford. That's incredible. It's it's, amazing. it's it's like you can see the list of questions I have coming up because well, then, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It, that's I, that's what I love because I I remember there was a, the, the home game against Swindon mid Marchish. It was on the telly. They put yeah. it on League One. I think it was international break. We lost two 0 We didn't get close to them. Uh, yeah. Um, but we were so good against Brentford twice. The the Marek Steck Superman save in about the third game yeah. of the season. We battered them at home, and then the two games against Sheffield United were both brilliant including away what I keep coming back to is the caliber of clubs we were going to sometimes away from home MK Dons Brentford Coventry Preston Sheffield United Doncaster clubs that are huge in stature in fan base in facilities and the rest of it we must have we must you guys must have felt unbeatable at times to be going to these huge establishments and playing them off the park it is but it's not just with you but if you look at clubs Nowadays, the little clubs, when they go to the big clubs, unless the big club are properly switched on, teams do underestimate you. Um, and even in the championship to start off with, you know, we, we got a few decent results because teams underestimated us. Um, and yeah, you're in the championship. We should have been relegated at Christmas. There's no chance we should have been. It's, it's, it is, it's true. We should never have been there or thereabouts in the championship at all. Um but it's like Leicester winning the Premier League. That's honestly what I put it down like. Like, Yeovil in the Championship is crazy. But, yeah, going to, in the League the league One promotion season, it, we did go to clubs and I do believe they underestimated us. And, and we had an identity. Whether the fans liked how we played or, or not, we knew what we were doing. We were well-drilled. We knew how to play against teams. In fact, we didn't even worry about teams that much. We just believed in what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and that was the main thing and, and that's why I give credit to the gaffer Terry and Daz that we were drilled we were looking back at it it was probably boring because it was over drilled we knew what we were doing um, but I do believe that, that that set us up in good stead and and teams couldn't deal with it um, and yes yeah, so that's what it is but yeah teams definitely underestimated us and uh, like I said, they do nowadays. If, it, if someone gets promoted to the Premier League and it's a little team, they, they, they underestimate them and, and that will never change in football. When we did have little blips in the run, maybe that Swindon game, who was it in the dressing room amongst amongst the players that was keeping everybody in check? Was that where your Jamie McAllisters were, were keeping yeah. players sort of together? How, how were the leaders within the group? Yeah, I'd say it was Maka, really. Um Hates is a, a very quiet guy. Um, so, yeah, I'd say it was Macker And the gaffer, whether it's right or wrong, the gaffer would, he'd come in and lose his shit. Uh, and I think he had to do that for him. Um, so he'd do that for him, but it also galvanise us. It'd bring us closer together because you'd go, ah, stop him, you know, we'll come together. We'll, we'll prove him wrong. And And... And I do believe with Gary Johnson as a manager, you either sink or swim with him. You're either with him 
or he, he will not finish your, he, he will make you mentally stronger. That's massively because he tells you straight. And as a Northerner, I like that because I class that as Northerners. We tell things straight how it is. Um, but yeah, I, I think Maka kept us all close together, but the gaffer coming in and losing his shit also had another dimension where we would go, do you know what, we're, we're going to prove you wrong. It wasn't like stuff the gaffer, we're going against him. It was the other way where we thought, all right, then you, you think that, we'll show you. And that that arrogance of us as a team, like we're, we're going to prove you wrong here, gaffer, that helped us. I, I love hearing that because it, it just resonates from what we've seen with Gary, both in his first stint, where obviously he led the team into the Football League and to, to the success that he had with you guys as well. Um, we're hurtling towards the end of the season. We're picking up wins. And then there's the win against Crew. two games from the end of the season. Seals it all up. We're definitely in the playoffs. I can't remember the last time on the final day of the season, we had the luxury of just resting every lad on the away a, a game at Berry. Do you, did you make the journey up to Bury to see all the leprechauns in the away end and all the rest of it? Did you make that journey? I don't think I did. I don't know if I were... Did I get did I get injured then? And I had to... I think I might have been injured before that and I was getting treatment, so I don't think I went up to, to Bury. So by that time, we kind of knew we were in the playoffs. And you've kind of already alluded out that you were more than happy to have Sheffield United. How was the feeling of the, of the whole group, though? There was no sense of, uh, well, we've... Surprised everybody. It's great to be where we are. There was still that sense to go on and finish the job. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm just thinking back there. I do. I remember that I got injured in one of the home games. I'd done my hamstring. And um, thankfully, Dan Byrne, obviously, were with us. And Fulham let me go to, to their training ground, for, I want to say, maybe for like a week to get into their oxygen chamber to make like my... They give me so much treatment to make sure my hamstring healed well, like wow. state-of-the-art stuff, if you're if looking back at it. Um, so thankfully, we, thankfully the gaffer or whoever had that contact and I was able to go over. So when you're thinking about uh, thinking about uh, Sheffield United, I was just thinking, shit, I want to make sure I'm fit here. Um, so, so that was the case. But, but yeah, going back to the Sheffield United, it, it's a crazy because as a player, all you're worried about is, I need to make sure I've got enough tickets for the for my family and I need to make sure they're all sorted. It sounds a stupid thing. It's the same for at Wembley. Um, and we had to make sure that um I know that um yeah, that everything like that was sorted. So the actual game takes care of itself. Daz and Terry are the ones that um uh, Darry and Terry are the ones that are doing all the tactics and things like that. We're we're just worrying about tickets and making sure everything's everything's sorted like that off the pitch. I love it. That that first leg, I've told this story a hundred times and I don't make any apology for telling it 101. Um, I've never left a 1-0 defeat quite so happy in my life. Everyone in the away end, as we were filing out, we're all saying the same things. That's fine. We'll score at home. No question at all. We were absolutely fine being 1-0 down. There was no question in our mind that we were going to be in a position to turn that round. How was the dressing room after the game? Were you a little bit disappointed at the result or did you have that same belief? Well, we were disappointed that we'd lost. I, I remember I should just... In fact, that would have been a goal I'd have remembered. There was a, I want to call it a bicycle kick. It was a side, a side winder or whatever you want to class it. It's from a corner that um, I nearly scored from. Um, but yeah, we were, we were more disappointed that we'd lost the game. We knew the performance was was good and we, we'd done well. Um, and but we also knew going back to Hewish Park, you know, if the game was tight, we, we were definitely still in the tie. And that was the message. The gaffer and Terry and Daz kept saying that this is only 45 minutes, even though it's a 90-minute game, this is 45 minutes of a game. We've got the second half at our place. Um, and yeah, the away leg and the home leg, what a fantastic day. If I'm honest, I preferred these celebrations and the actual game than the final. Um, it, it, like I remember winning at Hewish Park. It, like it was unbelievable. That, that was unbelievable. It was crazy times. Let's let's talk about that day because it is it it probably does top the final for me as well actually as a fan. I remember it being roasting hot, yeah. like ridiculously hot, and it was a really quick turnaround, wasn't it? Did you have to kind of switch on quite quickly? It was like three days afterwards, wasn't it? I'm not sure how long it was. I, I remember, yeah, I remember the game. I can't remember who scored. It was Ed and someone else. I can't remember. Who Kev. Kev. Kev Dawson. Yeah. Uh, like fifth, sixth minute. Yeah, and then Ed got the header, obviously. Uh, uh, so yeah, um, believe it or not, it's, 
Yeah, especially at our place. We, the tactic was to uh, to get Harry Maguire. That, that's how crazy is that? He's now the captain of Flaming, my boyhood team. But yeah, that, that was the tactic uh, at our place. Um, but yeah, boiling up day. I remember Carl Robinson was in the, was he doing this guy? So he was taking a bit of hammering. Yep. Uh, and yeah, like obviously we won, everyone comes on the pitch. You have a great celebration and, it can't. It can't be three days because I remember we had a little, we had a, few, a little cheeky night out that night. So I hope it weren't because the two days recovery from alcohol wouldn't have been too good. Well, let me have a let, let me have a quick look. I've got I've got it listed here. As as I think it might have been. I've got the semi final down as the Friday, and we played the the other semi final on the Monday. Oh no no yeah I'm on about the second. I thought you meant from the final. Sorry. Oh no yeah, sorry yeah. yeah sorry yeah. In fact no yeah we did. So from the turnaround there from the first to the second leg. We went to St. George's Park. Okay. Sure we did. Was that before or after? No, sure that was... Um, yeah, so we played Sheffield United and uh, we then went from Sheffield to... Is it Burton? Yeah. Where the England base is? Over there, slept there, then did all the recovery there um, and then obviously went down to Yorval afterwards. So, yeah, th- sorry, I thought you meant from the final... From the semi-final, second leg to the final. But, no, yeah, that quick turnaround, yeah, the club again looked after us and, and left no stone unturned. And, and yeah, we went to St. George's Park and, uh, and recovered correctly. Were, were you nervous that morning? Ahead of the second leg, I mean. With everyone, because I remember that the crowd was in so early. It was different. The crowd was in 90 minutes before kickoff rather than right on kickoff time. It was obviously busier. There was a lot more. Was there any nerves at all around the place? I, I go back to I look back to it and I can't remember. that There, there obviously would have been, but... Hmm. Now, even from the other finals and success I've had throughout my career, I've never been a nervous person before the game. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very chilled. At like when I've had success at Millwall, the, the manager at Millwall, there used to be me and Sean Williams. We'd sit there and have a coffee, whereas the lads are all getting ready and doing the rituals and whatever. And the gap, the manager there, would come in and say, "Are you still ready?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." That was just my way of keeping calm, I'd, I'd relax, I'd sit in the physio room, I'd speak to Dan Powell, the kit man at Yeovil, who's still there. Um, so, yeah, there will have been nerves, but not not crazy amount of nerves. Is that even during, like, during the matches itself, then, that you feel like that? Because, I don't know, I, I was on the, the on the stand on the terrace, and when Paddy misses the header about five minutes before Ed scores... I'm all over the place. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know how long's left. It's an absolute chaos in my brain. How how do you remain so calm in those moments on the pitch? I, I'll be yet again. I, I go into a. I don't even know what you class it as. I don't. I do not remember many games. I, I'm, wow. I'm in my own world, my own zone. I don't really see crowd. I don't hear crowd. I'm just. I'm just in a football match, and it's mental. Because I've said it to a few people, and yeah, looking back at games. I will remember a mistake I've made more than the game. Um, and even going back to the final, the, the final against Brentford, I remember my dad speaking to him afterwards and he, he was nervous. He, he's a, a mess, he was. Um, and he's like saying to me, how did you how did you stay switched on here at the end? Like you must have been all over the gap. I do not remember. I don't remember any of it at all. That's incredible. That, that that is absolutely incredible. Um, we we obviously do remember the celebrations after the game. Obviously, Crowder on the pitch. There's people everywhere. You guys are dancing on the balcony. What were those final few minutes from sort of final whistle for about an hour afterwards? What what were those scenes like? It was brilliant. It, do you know what? Just the scariest bit was when everyone came on the pitch and they're all on top of you. Like, I've never. I've not. Don't have many phobias, but claustrophobic there. Christ, they're on top of you. And it was one of them things like, wow, this is a bit bit intense, but in a good way. But yeah, I just remember um, my brother, my daughter at the time would have been, she's been like young, probably three, four years old. And he'd gone on the pitch. So I saw them and give them a cuddle. And then, yeah, then we were ushered off the pitch and up onto the, the balcony a bit to see all the fans. But yeah, it was good, wasn't it? It was uh, it was very good. It brought the city together. Um, and yeah, if if you were a thief and you wanted to do some robbery, you'd have gone when when all the Yorval was at Wembley. It would have been a perfect time to do um, to do a bit of thieving. So uh, yeah, it was it brought the city together. It was a fantastic, fantastic couple of weeks. 
I've just looked back at the fixture list now, actually. There was a really long time between the two semifinals and the finals. 13 days. Yeah. You were right to point that out. A, did that mean you could properly celebrate? And I mean properly celebrate. But then after you've properly celebrated, do you kind of switch off? Do you dial down and then try and build back up the intensity? Or do you stay at that level for as long as you can? No, it was... Um, we, we properly celebrated... There's not many places in Yorval to properly celebrate. So, um, yeah, Stu Housley, uh, who was obviously sadly passed, yeah. he was he was massive at the club for us. What a guy! And he organised for us to go to a pub. Um, so we had a I can't remember the name of the pub. It was just a a, a pub where we we were we were in there. The door shut. And it was us. We were all together, and we we had a great evening. Um, so we must have had the next day off because I think there would have been a few sore heads, but. I don't think the gaffer let us have many days off. It was just, it was more or less keep everything the same. So same ritual of probably a Wednesday off um, and things like that. Um, but yeah, the training stayed the same. The intensity probably went up. I, I remember me and Paddy had a little bit of um, a bit of a, not a scuffle, but a few words at training. Uh, so I count that for when he scored in the final as, as an assist because I got him riled up and um, annoyed him. And he, but uh, But yeah, it was all... It was all good. It was all good, to be fair. I'm so glad you've mentioned Stu Housley because he obviously produced the DVD. He was filming behind yeah. the scenes and stuff. What was it like behind the scenes? We're always told of this football club, and we see it every single day, that's so tight-knit. Kit Mandan, you've mentioned the physio, obviously. We love Jimmy Healy, the media man here on the Glover's Cast. We've had him on a number of times. The late, great Stu Housley. It was a team sort of within a team, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it proves by still keeping in contact with them people. Um, so, so yeah, it, it was good. The, Dan Powell, I love him a death man. I took him, I said, I took him. He came on holiday with me two, three years. Uh, we went to Ibiza. I think he came to Marbella with us. So, you know, it, it was good. He, he was a butt of a lot of jokes, Dan, but uh, he took it well and he loved it, I think. Um, because the, I've been to a number of clubs where, it's not close. You know, you have your players and the rest are away. And I've, I've had success at three clubs. And I would say that the three clubs that are, no matter, Millwall obviously is bigger than Yeovil. Um, but the, the same people, the same bondness you have with all the people helps with success. And at each three of them clubs, it's such a close-knit team and, and club, whether it's the office staff, the kit men, the bus driver, whatever it is, it, it's, it, it, it works and it breeds confidence and it breeds togetherness and, and breeds success in the end. Let's talk the final then. Um, had you played at Wembley before 2013? No, no, no. So was there, I mean, there must have been some kind of differences, but it's the, it's the fact that the club sorted out that you would do the touristy stuff the day before, you kind of got that out of the system. What were those sort of, 24 hours in the build-up to the final like yeah so we um we went away i want to say maybe either two or three days before the final we went to a hotel then we trained at i want to say qpr's training ground okay we then went to another hotel we trained at chelsea's training ground so we we, we got away from yorval we were away and we were in london and then we obviously stayed at a hotel um the the night of the game but but yeah the, the club were good uh I don't know whose idea it was but even uh, other times when I've been to Wembley I've told the the club that this is a good idea and I've done it where you go before you get your photos done you get your tourist done thing done and then when it comes to the game day it's business um there's nothing worse than we're not fans. Fans are there to take the photos and to record things and things like that. We had Stu, as you said at the time, doing all the video recording and, and whatever else. We're there to do a job. It's not. It's not. It's not playtime. It's not there getting your selfies. And back then, it weren't such a big thing. Uh, but like nowadays, you see players. And I don't want to say young players. It, it, listen, it's a fantastic day. So not many players get to play at Wembley. So I can understand it. But there's enough press now. There's enough people with cameras that you can get photos. There's no need for a player to be going around taking a photo. Get there, win, and then get as many photos as you want with the with the trophy. 
How did it feel that morning then? Did uh, I, I know you say you don't necessarily get nervous. Could you sense nerves anywhere else or were the team just sort of tunnel vision focused? My biggest nerves were, I'd, I'd, my brother lives out in Australia. I'd flown my brother over from Australia. So my biggest worry was making sure he'd come and he'd been picked up and surprised my mum and dad because I didn't let them know. Wow. So, um, so, so yeah, that was that, that was the biggest nervous thing for me. Waking up, going Ben and my mate Rob. Ben, Rob, are you um, have you got Jack? Is he sorted? Is it the hotel? Yeah, surprise. So then the surprise, my mum and dad, and then and then they they came over to the hotel. So beforehand, so whereas the lads, uh, everyone would have been nervous. Been nervous. I was I was chilling with me me mum, dad, and brothers uh, having a coffee with them. So that probably helped me. Um, to not worry about things. I, I was just chilling with them and relaxing. First goal, first minute. Um, in fact, before we get to the goal, I want to talk about Jamie McAllister getting his nose broke. Because yeah. that is the sort of thing, first couple of minutes of a game that could that could knock a side, could knock a defensive unit. How important was it that he stayed on and continued for as long as he could? Massively. That, Like I say, that, that it showed that um, not just him, but well, yeah, he, he was fighting with us. He didn't, no, no one wants to go off at Wembley. Like, that's just not going to happen. Um, and it just showed, you know, Mac has broke his nose. We're on it today. It's do or die. People are getting knocks, cuts, bruises. We need to win this game. Paddy then scores outside of his right boot. Like you've already said, I've no idea what he's even doing, thinking about trying it, but absolute top bins. Does that take a weight off the team? Do you, can you just feel everyone get into their groove a bit quicker because we've started so well? Definitely. It, it was, yeah. Because Brentford were they they, they turned up the beaters. That's what it was. Um, so yeah, Paddy score and it was like, oof, we, we, I think it gives us a bit more belief. Like yeah, yeah we're in it now. We got enough. We're, we're one ahead. I'm always one of them. They need to score two now to beat us. Yeah, they might score one, but they need to score two. Um, and yeah, it just uh, it obviously helped as well. Marek had an unbelievable day as well, so he, he did well. So. But yeah, it definitely did give us a, a bit of belief. Now, I've just watched the, the highlights back. And in the second goal, we need to clarify something. You are about as close to James Hater as anybody on that football pitch. Does he touch it or is it you make Dan Burns' goal? Just clarify it for us once and for all. If Dan's asking me, I'm saying it's his. But if Hayes is asking me, I'm saying it's his. That so, is so... Uh, I, 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 think, I, think, I think it's Dan's. But I'm not. I couldn't, I couldn't put my house on it. That's very diplomatic of you, Byron. I like yeah. it. I'm right down the middle. I like it. Um, going in 2 0 up, Gaffer just says, same again, lads, or was he was he trying to make tinkers? Was he trying to change things? Nah, there's no tinkering. If I'm honest, I think it was to keep us all calm. It's another boiling hot day, isn't it? Obviously, yeah. when so the, the cold towels were thrown about to keep us calm. Um, but I can't remember what we said, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if the gaffer had gone um you played rubbish there. You're lucky to be winning. He, he had that thing, that mentality where he'd make you think. I'm not saying he did do that because obviously we were two 0 up. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if we tried to play mind games to keep us all switched on and not get let us get carried away. Um, second half was a bit of a defensive back to the walls job, and there's no getting around it. The whole back line was incredible. I'd like to start with a slightly awkward question, if I can. Were you meant to be marking Harley Dean? Yeah, I was. <laughs> Yeah, I was. He lost me. To be fair, on all set players that uh, that game, he was he lost me a few times. To be fair, so um, but yeah, he, yeah, I was. So I'll hold my hands up to that one. I'm glad we can laugh about it now. I was scared to ask that yeah, one. Exactly. Um, did you have a minute to breathe in that second half? Because even just watching the highlights, it is relentless. It is it is headers. It is blocks. It is you. It is Dan Burn. Luke Aliens clearing it. Marek Steck pulls off some ridiculous saves. How did you go about it in that second half? Because it was relentless. It's like one of them, like I say, when someone does something well, you look at each other, you give yourself a smile and you say, well done, and we go again. Bit of things, the song Wave After Wave, it was just wave after wave, wave after wave. <laughs> it was, and he, he just kept coming. But you get cocky, you get arrogant, you smile about it. Yeah, we stopped that one. Come on, keep coming. Keep like a boxer getting punched in the face. It don't hurt. You're not doing it. Um and and yeah, we kept doing it. And and then you see the relief at the end where we just drop to our knees and it's like, yeah, we've done it. No, no one can ever take that, that away from me. One of the weirdest feelings I had was that 
everything, all three goals and everything takes place at the Brentford end. Yeah. And so actually the ball very rarely comes up at our end where the Oval fans are all situated. So it's all this, it's all a million miles away. And I just felt so helpless for want of a better word. And it was just like, we couldn't do anything. We were trying to pull the ball our way, but what, what was it like just seeing that sea of green? Yeah, it was good. But going back to that, that that's another thing that could have helped us because you, sometimes you can feel the nervousness from fans. So if it was the other end and the old fans are behind us and it's like, oof, ah, do you know what I mean? It, it could affect us. So all the stars were aligned. It, it was set up for us. But yeah, the the final whistle coming, yeah, I think it was Manic that just dropped to his knees and then we just go and jump on him and cuddle him. And it, I think that's the time when you look back and you think, um, wow, we've actually done it. Like, it, it's a weird feeling. I can't explain. Like, no one expected us to do it. There was no pressure, no nothing. So when you look back and you, you think we've done it, like, yeah, we go are in the championship. And then it's crazy that you think, Christ, we're going to be playing against the big teams, these teams and that teams. And then you lift the trophy, have a beer, and then you ain't thinking about that for a good couple of days. Well, that was going to be my next question. I'll get there in a second or two. You had your family there. You had your emotional reunion with your brother. Am I right in thinking, and correct me if I'm wrong here, there's a clip on the highlights. If you watch the long version of the highlights, where you're trying to talk to your family, get a cuddle from your kids, and there's a pesky steward being an idiot trying to stop it from happening. What's all that about? Yeah, I just wanted um, my daughter to to come with me on the pitch just to give me a cuddle, and, and yeah, they don't allow it. So, uh, so yeah. That's true. We've got a few choice words. You don't need to be a half decent yeah. lip reader to uh, to understand. Um, we have heard all sorts of stories. We've had Jamie McAllister on the pod. We've had Joe Edwards on the pod um, about those post-match celebrations that lasted for days. One presumes you were front and centre of all of it. <laughs> yeah, there were days. And I think the two you've just mentioned were also at the head of it with me, with Luke, Sam... Gav Williams, there, there, it was a it was a good, good group. There was a time actually, it did go on for days as well. To be fair, um, but I've got photos um, of my brothers and the best mate, up to my best mates actually, on the coach with us back to Yeovil. So literally everyone piled on the coach. But yeah, there's a funny story where my wife was actually pregnant with uh, my son at the time, and we had a scan at Yeovil's hospital. But obviously, I'd been on the drink for for a few days, and she had to pick me up from the pub to then go to the scan to see this. I can't; they're blurry anyway. But my eyes at that time were blurry, and and then she dropped me back off at the pub. But um, yeah, there was a few days of uh, celebration. If I said to you, Angelo Balanta and a bottle of champagne in Weatherspoons, would you know what I would be talking about? A bottle. There wasn't a bottle. There was a couple of bottles of champagne. Yeah, I know exactly what you're on about. Would you like to tell us and, and like uh, reveal anything behind that? Because we, we've heard we've heard a few little rumours about this. So what have you heard? Well, we've heard that Angelo Balanta and a couple of bottles of champagne may have ruined a few Sunday lunches. Oh no, no uh, I don't remember that bit. I remember we were in. Um, I remember the bar, the bar at the bottom of the high street. Is it like a? Oh, it may have gone now. Something like that. Uh, possibly it's been, it's, it's been a while for me too Byron I'll be honest I remember and uh, was it after the final it must have been after the final because it was a final on Sunday yes yeah so there's nothing open on at Yeovil on a, on a Sunday so um, we ended up in this bar and Angelo yeah kept buying uh, it wasn't champagne come on it was, it was like a bottle of sparkling wine or whatever it was but it he bought a lot of them and I want to say it was a band or something was, was up on the stage and they were just getting drenched. They were like getting drenched. He was spraying it all over the place. But it was good fun. Good, good fun. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, you've kind of touched on it already, but it's hard not to notice that you have been successful at Wembley a couple of times since. You were successful with with Millwall and then most recently with Bromley in that incredible FA trophy final last year. How do you recall sort of how how do you use that experience of 2013? to guide yourself and those around you. I've been there and done it. I know how to do this. Yeah, it's hard to because for players who haven't played there, it, it is a big day. It's a big day anyway, but it's a big day. It's Wembley. Um, and it 
the stadium's massive. It, it, it's just everything is a hundred times bigger and better. So to help other players, I can talk as much as I want, but it probably doesn't help. But me being there helps me, if that makes sense. So I, I, I'm more comfortable or whatever the word is. So, so yeah, but I don't know if it does help the other lads, but yeah, they, they, when I speak about it, they just say, oh, yeah, you played at Wembley a few times, have you? So that's that's the comment I get. So, uh, so yeah, but hopefully I just try and put the lads at ease. Are you a memorabilia keeper? Do you get things framed? Do you pack them away in a little box? Do you give them to your parents? Where's the where's the medals and the shirts and things? Yeah, no, my shirt and medals are up in, in one of my rooms in my house. So they're framed. But the rest of the stuff, like my tracksuits and... Um, in fact, I have a... a What's it called? Like a cabinet, which has like um, every time I've been to Wembley, I've got the like the champagne bottle, uh, all the DVDs and the programs are in a box um, in my garage. So, so yeah, I do keep a lot of things. Amazing. Um, we should touch on that championship year because I remember you've already touched on it, but I remember writing a bit of a preview for a magazine or something pre-season, and I said. Technically, we should be the first team to finish 25th in the yeah. championship. We should be that far ahead. But we did have the most remarkable experience. We know how it ended. It ended sadly. What are some of your memories from that incredible year fighting against some of the very biggest clubs in the country? Yeah, like I said, I go back to, I'm not very good in my memory, but I remember Forrest at home. Um, you, scored. you scored in that one. And Ed scored an unbelievable goal as well that day. Um, Leicester away, where Schmeichel came up the I was swear then, and they yeah. drew. Uh, Watford away, where I scored as well. That was a good yep. day, 3-0. Um, Burnley, I remember both Burnley games, actually, where we had Sam Johnson come in on loan and he broke his finger in the warm-up. Yep. Uh, and then at our place, I'm sure Danny Ings scored a good goal and then dived as well and got a penalty. We we had a couple of them. We had Adam Lafondra for Reading as well, chuck himself over unnecessarily. Yeah. There was a couple of them. There was, yeah. I think it did. Reading away as well. I don't know if it was at Millwall. I, I got sent off maybe at one of them. But you, then I got, you, I got rescinded. So, yeah, that was the game where we ended with nine men against Reading because you got sent off. Joe Rawls got yeah. sent off. And then Kiefer got sent off in like the 93rd minute. But we still held on for a one-all. It was remarkable. Jeff Wednesday as well. I got sent off as well. The gaffer absolutely ripped me then. <laughs> but that was my own fault. But yeah, um, yeah, so there they get Yeah, so I've done quite well there, actually. I'm quite pleased myself for remembering a few games. Um, the season came to an end. Um, the, the club was changing uh, in so many ways, on the pitch, off the pitch, everything. Did it feel like it was just a natural time for you to move on to Millwall? I think that the problem was that the the team. I don't. I don't want to say the club, but the team had grown. Yep. When when I'm saying team, I mean players. The players had grown and and got um, because Yeovil weren't meant to be there. And when players were doing well individually, it, it got a bit of um, more profile on the players. So the players' profile went higher. Whereas Yeovil, they they couldn't grow any bigger. So it wasn't. A, it's, this isn't anything against the club. So, so yeah, so when lads' contracts are up and negotiations are happening, there was just no way it was feasible for players to stay in a nutshell. Yes, it came down to cash, but it also came down to players that now had a profile where championship clubs wanted wanted them or, or whatever it was. So, yeah, the, the success of Yeovil obviously didn't help with keeping players... I don't know how to say that. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and you weren't the only one. And nobody, there isn't a single Yeovil fan that begrudges Ed's move to Millwall, Luke's move to Bristol and, and what he's gone on to achieve. Yeah. It's just, we all kind of felt like it was just going to be a natural end of, of an era. There was actually a little lone spell back in, in League One from, from Millwall. It was a tricky time, wasn't it? At the wrong end of the wrong division. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was tricky, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Like you said, it, it all changed. Um, so yeah, so it was it was tough, um, but but still it, it was good to go see faces and and to try and give my all for for a club that is close to my heart. So so yeah, it was. But football evolves, football changes, and it, it 
it's crazy. The only thing that stays the same is the fans. You know, the fans are the only only people that stay 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 with the club. And it's not just players, backroom staff. You know, everything changes. So owners, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, so so yeah, it was changing. It, it, it's disappointing how things have gone for Yeovil, but. You know, football is up and downs and, and I'm sure they'll be back in the league not so long. Let's let's begin to wrap this up and I'll give you a, a bit of a chance. If I can wave a magic wand, I can pick you up and I can put you back into any single point of that 2012-13 season. Where would you go and why? Uh, to the semi-final at home um, against Sheffield United. Just the... the just the, the whole day, the whole day, the whole game, and and the after the celebrations was just, it, it was special. Obviously, winning at Wembley is good, but it's a big stadium. You, you're close to your fans, but you're not close to them. We were close to them. It it, it was pro- that was proper, proper, proper day. I've I've seen Hewish Park like that a handful of times, maybe yeah. since tops when we've had Man United in the cups and stuff, where it's properly properly bouncing there's just a buzz about the whole place and mm. I, I, if you could bottle it you'd sell it and make a fortune yeah definitely definitely, definitely. Um, listen we're, we're coming to the end of this chat here Byron thank you so so much for um, taking the time to chat to me on a Monday afternoon you are still uh, hot in the midst of a playoff charge by the time this goes out I genuinely hope that you and Bromley are are in the playoffs in, um, in the National League. We always like to finish these chats on the Glover's Pass by simply giving our guests the chance to say a few words to Yeovil fans who will be looking back on the chats that we're having and probably going back to YouTube and finding the videos over and over again. What would you like to say to Yeovil fans who were, who were with us at that time? No, thank you very much for your support, for how you made me feel welcome, my family feel welcome, and for the good times. You know, No matter what's happening in the world or what's happening with Yeovil or whoever at the minute, no one can ever take their memories away from us. And uh, yeah, it was great to be part of it with, with so many so many good people and so many smiley faces. Perfect. Byron Webster, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you very much, buddy. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. 